0: You're listening to Checking In, a self-help book club hosted by Adam and Amber, where we read self-help books each week and sit down to talk about them.
1: Disclaimer, the opinions recorded on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the authors mentioned here. What's up, folks? How are y'all doing? Wait, don't answer that. We have a very special episode today. (laughs) We have a little mini-sode of checking in to do. Uh, I'm going to do it real quick here. Hey, Amber. Hey. Let's just check in. How's your last 24 hours been?
0: Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Did you
1: do anything notable?
0: <laughs> no, I can't think of I can't. I can't think of anything.
1: Amber Ritchie had her first <laughs> show uh, as a stand-up comedian last <laughs> night at the Punchline in Atlanta. And to say that it went really well would be an understatement.
0: Stop. I I was very scared um and anxious. And yeah, I think like I'd said, I wish I could have enjoyed it a little more. Like it was I was just very occupied in, in worrying about my lines and if people are gonna laugh at me or what's what's gonna happen. <laughs> And unfortunately
1: and horribly, they laughed at you. Right. They They all laughed at me.
0: Um, You poor thing. Yeah. (laughs) No, uh, you know, was I going to just like die? Uh, Was I going to trip and fall? You know, just like I was very, very, very anxious and it kind of went by in a blur, but it was very fun. Um,
1: So it was what we call a tight five.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was five minutes. You know, I forgot some stuff, but we kept it moving.
1: And as a person in the audience who has not watched you rehearse the set a million times or anything, it was not clear uh, at all that you had, like, lost some material unintentionally. I thought
0: it was kind of obvious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. And you didn't stop uh, and run through the entire set from the top multiple times trying to remember your place. So that already was a win right there. Um,
0: Yeah, I was just like, well, I was trying to grab for it. And I was like, you know what? Moving to the next one. Yeah. Go. Just let it go. Yeah. Keep it moving. Yeah. So I was like, oh. And that truly was like my worst case scenario. I mean, kind of. Just get on there and I just blank. Like, that's kind of. So
1: tell us a little bit about Laugh Lab. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. So, Laugh Lab is a class. It's taught by Lace Larrabee. Um, She is a comedian here in Atlanta. And it was so funny last night. Some of my friends had come and brought mutual other friends and and that was really sweet of them but um they were like oh she's famous (laughs) she was on like America's Got Talent she's got this cool like serious radio show and she's got a cool podcast I mean she's doing it like she's always doing something but anyway so um she started the class like five or six years ago and has done several seasons or several uh sessions that are six weeks long. And it's all women, which is really cool because um, when I talked about taking the class, because a friend of ours, a friend of Adam's, Jen, um, took it, we watched her, she was phenomenal. Um, And I was like, oh, this looks so fun, I really want to try it. But I was so nervous, like, are there going to be men (laughs) there? (laughs) Like, I I was, look... (laughs) You could say I'm a little dramatic. I got up and ran out of yoga like not long ago because there was a man like teaching the class out of nowhere. Like, (laughs) it is not his fault. No, it's not like he assaulted you
1: or anything. No, oh, absolutely. He was
0: just, and you know what? Like, that's a me problem. I get it. I'm in therapy. Like, you don't have to tell me twice, but um, yeah. So. I was really, really excited that it was all women, and everyone is like super supportive of each other. You go in there each week, and you have material ready to go, you know, that you've written, and and you um, get feedback, and it's kind of therapeutic because you're just sometimes you go. I would go in there and talk about like something in my day, and it's make it funny, right? You know. My cat died. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're just like, it's not anything depressing, but you would just turn it around and make it funny. Um, that's especially always been helpful for me as I've gone through a lot of trauma in my life to laugh at it and myself and the circumstances that make life weird. Um So, yeah, I'm probably a lot more mushy than most of the people in my class were about it. But I I was like, we're all besties now.
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) Everybody did such a great job. And you get, like, very, very great expert professional coaching from Lace and her teaching assistant, Amber Chandler. Two Ambers.
1: Yeah. Good name. (laughs) So she's obviously, like, a a professional working this is her job. Mm Mm-hmm comedian um and i don't know i mean I, I it's not like the listeners have heard your material or anything yeah but it would just it would be kind of cool to hear like what? <laughs> you know it would be kind of it would be kind of cool to hear like what kind of feedback she had on individual things like for me oh yeah, yeah, yeah. um but yeah so our our friend uh jen downs uh is going to be doing her level two yeah uh Um, performance here coming up in not too long. I really wanted to talk to her teacher, Lace, um, when we went to go see her first show Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I really wanted to take that class. Yeah. And I had been mentioning to Jen, like, you know, it'd be kind of cool if she would open it up to, you know, if there were guys able to do this too. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I don't know. Ever since you took the class, it's been like, I'm really glad that I got to just watch you do it. Whether or not I decide to follow up on that. Yeah. It's been really nice to just like let you have a thing. You know? Because I've got my stuff. I've got my you stuff already.
0: I, you could say that we're, you're we're sitting,
1: We're sitting in my <laughs> stuff right now.
0: You could say that you have some talents.
1: <laughs> but as... Touring as a the Pinks as a touring entity for the tour for Freedom, I did stand up on that tour. Like forty five percent of the set was essentially stand up, introing the songs, and sometimes I'd kill, and sometimes they would just look at me like <laughs> you inbred, <laughs> and I could never figure out like why did this land on some nights and why did this not land on others. And then last night watching your showcase, like, with the rest of your class, mm-hmm. I was like, this crowd is not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, They loved you. Uh, <laughs> but they weren't exactly giggly for the first hour to hour yeah, and a half of I just, the show.
0: I, uh, I just thought maybe it's just... So it's, it's a graduation show. It's... Um, it's kind of like a dance recital. You yeah. know, there's bouquets of flowers everywhere you look. And so it's, it's. I think, a lot of people's families, maybe people who don't go
1: out and But you're see, in a real club. Performing, yeah, it's a very
0: real club.
1: Performing at this esteemed venue. Yeah, very Which you've already cool. been practicing in.
0: Very cool, yeah.
1: You've been taking the course yeah. on the stage.
0: Yeah, I didn't mention that. So you're at the Punchline each week, which I commented on how valuable that was for me to alleviate some of that anxiety of actually getting up on the stage it's been the same stage we've been on six weeks and i'm comfortable i'm comfortable talking into a microphone i'm comfortable hearing my own voice and i really think that that is you know attributed to just the coaching i got from lace yeah And the owner of the punchline came into one of our classes and gave us this really wonderful insight and advice. And he was so nice and precious. And it's just such a supportive, like, crowd of folks. I was very, very grateful. It
1: really seems like, um, like, Lace is creating a community around her and saying, Mm -hmm. like, no, I want there to be a community. Yeah. And I want it to be supportive instead of fractured.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's what uh, he – he the owner of the, the uh, punchline, he was saying, you know, we – back in a long time ago, you know, you would su- submit your material to the club owner or you'd come by the club owner and try to kind of razzle-dazzle, but then like now, you know – Lace was talking about cultivating this community of women doing comedy and it's just like another comedian you know is doing a showcase at a brewery nearby or at another club. Um, So it seems like a very like booming (laughs) scene here, at least compared to other places I've lived.
1: For sure. Um, (laughs) We are going to talk a little bit in this episode.
0: Yeah, about a book.
1: (laughs) Um, we're going to kind of bring things uh, closer to my side of the Venn diagram for sure. <laughs> so uh, Jeff Tweedy, singer-songwriter yes. of the band Wilco, uh, has a book out today what? called Please Tell My Brothers. Oh and uh, it—that's not what we're reading today. It's just a <laughs> weird coincidence. That is a
0: funny coincidence. That's kind of like that documentary coming out right, right. when we recorded uh, what you know last season's Right. Book. Yeah. Uh,
1: let's let's not talk about that book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's so crazy. Um, well, good. So yeah. So similar kind of Hill. synchronicity here. This is Jeff Tweedy's "How to Write One Song,"
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and. Like always, we listened to the audio book. Um, Amber, are you a songwriter now? Uh, According to this text,
0: yes.
1: (laughs) I I love how Jeff does that in the intro to the book, poof, you're a songwriter.
0: Right. I definitely did want to just... Totally go out and say, like, I might have said it in, like, the last season at some point when we were talking about doing this book in the future um, on an episode, but just reiterating, like, he is such a likable person.
1: Like... I don't know that he would agree with that. Maybe not. But that's part of what I love about him. He's
0: and I think I think that the people around him see that. Yeah. I don't think he may I don't know, but
1: he's I surrounded think, himself with some pretty special people yeah. for sure. And his family seems fantastic.
0: Well, it just seems like they're kind of like you to me sometimes. Like they're gonna love him. You know, they're the public is gonna love you just yeah. put your stuff out there you're gonna be loved don't worry but um, I could understand <laughs> no I don't know about that yeah. you know like,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> but um, he is I'm not a hugest ass- hugest, if that's a word. I'm Donald Trump today. It is. Um, the bigliest Wilco fan. I would like them a lot, but I don't know like a whole lot about them. But at the same time, I really did enjoy reading this book and his writing
1: style is wonderful. Not all of the stuff resonates with me, nor is it supposed to. Mm-hmm. But I know that on every Wilco record and every Jeff Tweedy record and everything that he produces, I'm going to like something. And I'm going <laughs> to probably... Because uh, when he hits a bullseye for me, it, he hits it hard. Yeah. Like he's got some songs that just completely destroy me.
0: And it's so funny because throughout the book, you know, he does. And I loved this part where he does kind of give you examples of mm-hmm. the instructions he's giving. Yeah, um, And he's saying, for example, this is what I wrote. Yeah, And he's like, it's not that good, though. And I'm just sitting there like. God, that is so. I was like crying yesterday. I didn't tell you this. I was listening to it, and he was giving like a couple lines. He's like, I mean, I just wrote this kind of. It's not a kid song or anything, but and I was like, God, I was like crying. Like it was so sweet.
1: Like, (laughs) um, he, I, I think he has, um, this ability to immediately tune into the thing that, that gives us songs, Mm -hmm. and he gets into how he does that. Yeah. He gets into the nuts and bolts of how he tunes right. into the place where he gets to where he writes songs.
0: Which your criticism about a lot of the books we read is like when do we get to the part where you're yeah. telling us what to do? Yes. And this book, right right out the gate. Yes. He gives his philosophy, which, which I is love.
1: So it's okay. <laughs> That, that way the listeners can kind of watch this weird convergence. Mm-hmm. So what happened to me is that I took a massive dose of mushrooms um, just before my birthday in 2020. And I spent like an hour and a half talking to the sun. Now, did I spend an hour and a half talking to the sun? No. This, trips are <laughs> m- metaphorical. Trips are essentially metaphors that can teach us truths. Mm -hmm. They're not teaching us metaphors. They're teaching us truths. And so many of the truths that the sun, in quotation marks, told me, Jeff Tweedy says in this book. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Be on the side of creation or surrender to the powers that destroy. Is almost verbatim something that mm-hmm. the son told me.
0: And he really does a great job of not making it so serious and unattainable. Oh,
1: no. It's first off, he's pretty funny.
0: He also is very book. funny. Yeah. That's
1: every time I've seen Wilco, I will first time was the biggest surprise mm-hmm. when he's not like a brooding. And I didn't know it at the time, but he's not like a brooding, migrainey person on stage usually. <laughs> um, which, Jeff, if you're listening, I hope you enjoyed me saying that. We couldn't tell. Um, but he's hilarious in between songs. So he can have a song about, you know, like blood and guts, not literally, but like, you know, emotionally, blood and guts. And then afterward, he's making us laugh like Stevie Wonder does, <laughs> who is also a hilarious uh, performer. Yeah.
0: But yeah, no, I thought throughout the reading, I was just like, he's
1: funny. He is. He's a funny, funny dude. And he has ways of telling you stuff like he knows you. Mm-hmm. So he's, and I think he's doing that by addressing fears. And sure. some fears are... <laughs> Um, what if I write something that's not any good, mm-hmm. um, you know, or that people are gonna hate it or whatever? Mm-hmm. And he essentially teaches that like these are not reasons to not do this. Yeah. Um, one of my uh, favorite lines of his is like, "Are you ever playing frisbee and think that you should stop because you suck?" <laughs> Yes. Actually, <laughs> I'm terrible at this and my frisbee talents are an abomination in the eyes of God.
0: I know I'm always like this is boring. I can't even throw this stupid thing. I'm just done.
1: It's an example. <laughs> just an example. I didn't mean to no. pick your least favorite thing.
0: No. Um I yeah, I totally get that. It's it's not condescending. It's not Um, I did say a second ago, he writes like very sweet, awesome things that he'll kind of brush off as not no big deal, but I feel like he doesn't think that it takes a whole lot of coaxing to get someone else to do the same.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe.
0: Like I think he has a lot of confidence in other folks.
1: I think that confidence might make a difference, yeah um it, well, people disbelieving in themselves is kind of the one of the main problems that he addresses mm-hmm. in the first i'd say first third of the book, yeah, is that like absolutely nobody is good at this when they first start, yeah. and that's not a reason to not do it
0: so my perspective is from a layman. <laughs> or, like a everyday person, yeah,
1: so the, the when yeah. we're talking about how to write one song, we're talking about how to write your first song,
0: right. And you, you know, have written many songs, and before I mean, before you read this, right? I mean,, yeah. yeah. So it has to be way different in your perspective. To me, songwriting or seeing a musician and and me just like loving music, it's kind of like, they have, like, that thing, like, they're precious, so to speak, yeah. and they're they're going to have it guarded and, and kept and nurtured all to themselves. And I'm like, I could never, you know, that's not something I could ever touch. It seems very intimidating to me. But Jeff Tweedy, in his writing, is like, nope.
1: Everyone is supposed Everybody to do, do this. this. Everyone yeah. should do this. So I thought that was cool. Whether, whether we're talking about an actual song or or just creating something in general. Um, And my whole crusade in 2020 was, I made three solo albums and remastered a Pink's record and wrote another Pink's record. Um, And I think we put out another, it was a lot, a lot. Like I put out like six things. And it was not to show off at all. In fact, if anything, it was like, ha ha, look at my mental illness here on display. <laughs> right. But I tell you, the thing that made the mental illness of 2020 better was writing songs. And I thought that everybody would feel better if they could just write songs. Mm. That like, if there's something that you need to get off your chest, the, uh, the transformative properties of songwriting of I've got this gross stuff inside of me And if I could somehow, like, resolve that while creating something, that would be ideal. And that's what I did most days in 2020. And I felt so much better. And any day where I didn't write a song, I felt like garbage. I felt like I hadn't taken my meds. Hmm. And writing songs is so much cheaper than prescription medicine. And I'm not saying, like, you should write songs instead of take your medicine for depression. (laughs) Or schizophrenia, <laughs> you know. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that like good God, it helps. It helps so much more than dicking around on your phone. Yeah. The, like dicking around on your phone makes you so much sadder than you normally would have oh, been. Dude. And yeah, if you, you're, you're telling me if you're on your phone writing a song. It's it's the opposite, you know? <laughs> like, sit down with a pen and paper, sit down with a guitar, any mm-hmm. instrument, sit down with an object that makes a sound, mm-hmm. and create something with it that, like, gives you butterflies. Yeah, because
0: my, okay, so my biggest thing, come opening the book, was like, okay, I don't play nothing. Right. He gives you lots of options. Yeah. You could download an app that makes music you can beat on your desk you can hum oh there's so many
1: I have an app right here where you just press a button and it plays a chord yeah yeah. and I can swipe all over the screen and it does all these crazy chord changes you don't have to be a musician yeah an instrumentalist to play music anymore which uh, you know as somebody who plays a lot of instruments I'm wrestling with that but like ultimately as a songwriter just creating stuff is good that's yeah. like part of my mission here is like, hey, creating stuff is good. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you need a nudge, I'm here to give you that nudge. Message me. Creating stuff is good.
0: Yeah. Um. And so my connection to that aspect, you know, is super foreign, like just making the music part. And that, I will say, is what I struggled with. I don't think to any fault sure. of Mr. Tweety. But that was the part I definitely struggled with because it's not known to me too well other than just like growing up like in church, choir type stuff. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. That does expose you to music in a different way where it's like, hey, everybody, get involved.
0: Well, and and that's, you know, where I kind of like had learned to like read music Mm. and stuff like that. And and no, or at least not... Read it, but like kind of identify okay, that's what that note means. That's what that little doodle doodly do doodad means. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm still not clear on that
0: stuff, <laughs> right? Um, I did always get like really tickled at all the country little hymnal books. You know, it'd be like P O W R power, uh, P O W apostrophe R, like power, like just to make it one symbol, uh-huh. syllable. Par. Par, par, wonder-working par. Like,
1: <laughs> well, Jeff says Stuff that, like that
0: always would kind of get me tickled.
1: It's like, okay, so I can't read music, so should I be writing music? And he's like... He's like, like well, I can't either. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't either. But that's like saying it, if you don't have a perfect grammar, you can't talk.
0: I liked that example. I was hoping you would say that. I loved that example because we all know... <laughs> My grammar is horrific.
1: <laughs> I wonder why.
0: <laughs> that Alabama education. Yeah, just
1: that's a throwback to the fact that we're both from Alabama and yet we're yeah. both still alive and breathing and stuff. I which hope is I weird. don't have any teachers listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to flog You think me. your teachers know what podcasts are?
0: Uh, one of my teachers is younger than you, so.
1: <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> big slam on Adam out of nowhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, a, lo- a lot of my teachers um, when I was in high school were in their like late 20s or at least 30s. And they were always like big sis, big bro kind of cool, mm-hmm.
1: you know. The, the next part of the book that I kind of wanted to address is the, the distinction that he makes between like how to write songs mm-hmm. versus how to write one song. And it's also not um, how how to have a song.
0: <laughs> yeah, you
1: know what I mean. So like his thing is that it's not the end result yeah that you're shooting for. Yeah, yeah. what? Why would that why would having a song not be the end result that we're shooting for uh, because of how he writes songs mm-hmm. and essentially he tries to get his ego way, way, way out of the way his, like, conscious mind a bit out of the way Mm -hmm. and let his, like, unconscious self kind of just present things. Mm -hmm. And it's like that process of stepping aside, Mm -hmm. step out the way, losing yourself in, like, the moment of creation. That's the important part.
0: Right, right. I loved that.
1: That's that's actually what songwriters get addicted to.
0: And that was like, for me, as me, as a layman, that was kind of like, I connected that to like how I feel like at yoga yes. or something. Right. So I, I really tried to identify with that.
1: In yoga, you're kind of, until a point, you're watching yourself yeah. and compare that with what you think you're doing. And then at some point, you're just here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like mm-hmm. you and your body are just here right. in the moment with time. Very
0: connected.
1: And that's kind of the state that he's saying, like, this is, this is the goal. Sure, This yeah. is what we're shooting for. And if you get a good song out of being in that state, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. If you get a shitty song out of being in that state, guess what? That's still awesome. You're still right. there right. in that place creating the creating part. Is the important part and the part that I want to stress to the listeners.
0: So I have a question. I'm not sure if it's like an appropriate time for, but like, is how, this about sex? No, it's not about sex. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, this is a little inappropriate. Um, so how did this differ from your process of writing songs? How does yeah. Jeff Tweedy's process uh,
1: differ? It's almost the same. Okay. Um, I, and uh the, the writing process that I took on in 2020 was very regimented and exactly what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And until then, I had been writing in a completely different way where I'm – let's say I was waiting tables in Nashville mm-hmm. And I would have a song idea just suddenly pop into my head. It's like when you have a song stuck in your head
2: mm-hmm.
1: that you've heard, except you've never heard it before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I would gradually realize like, oh, this is mine. And it will slip away like a dream first thing in the morning when you wake up mm-hmm. if I don't write it down. Yeah. And sometimes that happens and sometimes it stays until you can get to pen and paper. Or until you can open up your voice notes and hum a few bars of it. And then you can give it permission to go away. And so when I was waiting tables, it would be one of those. And then I would get really busy. And then there's two songs in my head at the same time, and they're not related. And then there's three songs, (laughs) and I'm having to remember these three songs, which are all in the moment like, holy shit, it's happening. I think I'd pass out. and i'm trying to remember orders <laughs> and people are complaining to me yeah. and like people are being weird weird and aggressive and people um and i would get home and just try my best to foretrack all of the ideas that i had just heard mm-hmm. i'm like jotting stuff down in the car on the way home and this this probably sounds fairly close to what jeff's talking about when he's talking about like the the stereotype of the tortured artist or the tortured writer. Like, yeah, I wanted songs to come to me, but I wanted to be like expressing myself. I didn't want to be like, you know, being manipulated. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there would be long periods of like just that never happens. And I sit down and I would write a few lines of something and it would be like, oh, that's interesting. Not putting any pressure on it, but also like kind of too lazy. To finish it mm-hmm. at the time. And so for a few years there, I just had stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of partial ideas. Those don't usually go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But Jeff is saying, keep doing that. Yeah, do. I've got this other thing that you probably need to do, mm-hmm. but you can keep doing that. It's good to have a stockpile of... Lyrical ideas, uh-huh. stockpile of melodic ideas, chord change, anything could even be sounds, well, could be birds.
0: And you know what's funny about that when I when I heard that on the audiobook, that's what Lace was teaching me, yeah. to do with jokes. And I was like, that is so funny. Just
1: don't lose it, you know. Just, Just stockpile yeah. it; it may turn into yep. something later. So yeah, here's, she's like, keep it on a Google Doc or so something. So here's Jeff's yeah. process, give or take, and my process, give or take. Uh, it seems to be. And i love I love that he did it this way. He said, eight p.m, and I knew where he was going.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> eight pm, you know, I'll uh maybe listen to some voice notes that I've made and mm-hmm. check out some notes, and before long, I've got something. Mm-hmm. you know like i i've I've placed some seeds into a pocket for later. And at 8 o'clock at night, I'm going to pull them out, see if any of them look interesting to me, and then I'll start following up on them. Mm-hmm. Or if nothing interests me, do I maybe have another idea? Yeah. Um, And then working on that for a bit, going to bed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wake up in the morning, almost immediately take a look at what you did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you, you can either be like, oh, yeah, so I'm going to follow up on this or... I have a better idea. Mm -hmm. Um, My old songwriting teacher, Rick Beresford at Belmont said, when you wake up in the morning, write for set a timer, write for five minutes. And if you Mm -hmm. stare at the page for four minutes and 30 seconds doing nothing and then write for the last 30 seconds, that's actually the exercise. Hmm. You're still doing the exercise if you don't write the entire five minutes. What happens is first thing in the morning, doing that little exercise, or what I was saying, take a look at your work from the night before, that turns you into a songwriter for the rest of the day. Because you're trying to come back and finish the thing that you were working on. Mm -hmm. Your mind is still working on that. I don't know if there's some sort of uh, comic equivalent of that, but like how to turn your inner comedian on first thing in the morning.
0: Well, um, I think she... So, okay. So one thing that I really liked about Lace uh, when we first got to class was like, she's not, she says, I'm not going to teach you how to be funny. Like, right. you guys are funny. You're, you know, you come to this class because you think you're funny and you want to get better and you want some professional help. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So um, sh- she can give us the tools on how to write a joke, but at the end of the day it's kind of like our personality shining through so yeah it has to be right so yeah so what she would say is just like think about things in a different way whenever you're just like going throughout your day use a comedian perspective and you know and it, it's kind of like sometimes i do that anyway sure But it's also kind of funny, like, thinking about things and turning such a positive light on them and how that kind of affects your mood throughout the day. Yes. And then, yeah, she's always like, have a notebook, have a voice recordings, have your notes on your iPhone, have a Google Doc. You know, she's always advocating for us writing pretty much constantly just on things anytime we get spare moments, I guess. If we're looking for material, you know.
1: Yeah. So there, for this is, I think, where I kind of differ from Jeff is what happens after the morning, um, mm. it in, in 2020 anyway. And I, I feel like this is what I should always do when I'm in the process of like, oh, I'm going to create a record now versus, you know, hey, I'm going to go record one song. <laughs>
2: um,
1: getting in the habit of just doing this every single day so that my inner songwriter knows it's always safe to come out and play because sometimes it's not. Sometimes I have like grown up stuff yeah. that I'm supposed to do. Sometimes oh, yeah, there's kids sure. stuff. Sometimes there's a dog that's dying. You know, like it, it can't you can't always be in the process of creating a record. And I, that would be ridiculous to think that I needed to be that way all the time. I'm supposed to be an adult at the same time as I'm supposed to be like, you know, a creative person. But After that work in the morning, I would come down here into the studio where we are now and I'd start turning, turning the ideas into sounds. And it would be, it always had to come together very quickly um, to kind of catch the energy of the song. And then after I'm done recording it, which is really like continuing to write the song for me because I'm exploring things in terms of like I'm writing lyrics up until I'm done recording them. Mm. So I can be like revising stuff and a lot of the time I'll be singing a line. The line is uh, cumbersome. You know, like I actually can't get all these syllables out in an artful way. I'm going to have to change a word here. Yeah. And sometimes when I have to change one word, it changes the connotation of a line a lot. And it might make it more interesting or more accurate, <laughs> surprisingly. Um, and then I would mix it, which in itself is a extremely meditative state for me. Then I'll have dinner. And I'll have my bath and then I'll sit down on my bed and I'll start writing ideas for something else that I'm starting to hear in that moment because I'm open to, to hearing ideas. Mm-hmm. I'm open to it. And the the being open part is, I, I think, where it might get confusing to some people. Um, and I wish we could open it up to listeners to ask questions about that. What do you What do you think like how can i help demystify mm. the like being open to inspiration part.
2: Oh good. Jeff
1: says put yourself in the way of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like s- stand in its way so that you can receive it.
2: Mhm.
0: Yeah. Uh I, yeah, and i liked that. I I thought that was cool. I I don't know. I just kind of am more like I don't think of Inspiration is something like very divine. Um, I think that if we were to appreciate a lot more things going on in our lives, we could see that inspiration just every day. Yeah. Um. So I think it's just kind of like definitely slowing down and paying more attention to what's going on around you instead of just like, you're if you're always in search mode, you're not open.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I will have okay. So I think maybe by giving examples of what he means, maybe we should give some more examples of what he means. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely kind of a interesting topic to like wrap your head around.
1: So one thing that he suggests doing is open a book mm-hmm. and just scan around for words that look interesting. Yeah. You don't even have to know what they mean. But he picks two words at random for the purposes of this book. Um it was xylophone. <laughs> it was something revival.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um I remember that part. I can't. Remember and then he exactly. wrote
1: essentially like a little jingle. Yeah, Um, so cute. And it it took nothing for him. I know. (laughs) But he was like, I can think of like 10 to 12 reasons why these two words should go to bed together, which was a really funny way of looking at it. And like, okay, so how can we get these two words to start fitting together? Uh My mind can fill in the blanks here very easily now that I've got two words.
0: He makes it look so easy.
1: Well, it is right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, getting getting into the place where you can create is akin to being a child with crayons uh, on the floor in the living room.
0: I liked that comparison. You're not sure.
1: critiquing yourself. You're not going. This doesn't look like Skeletor at all, and tearing it up and throwing it away. It just fucking is what it is it's what you did bro if you could
0: say that to my teacher who would always fucking mark up my coloring sheets with all this criticism (laughs) and red ink i am just enjoying the process okay
1: yeah (laughs) i have enjoyed one way that i will stimulate um my writer to wake up and realize that it's okay to come out and play, is I will deliberately try to come up with a really stupid idea for a song. (laughs) Um, I try to make sure to stay musical throughout the day, and that means singing songs at people I see in traffic. Um, (laughs) My youngest and I uh, started singing a little song every time we saw a dog. And we turned it into a song that was so fun. It is the dumbest thing I've ever recorded, and it makes me so happy. That's
0: it. No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) There might be another one. No, Uh, (laughs) but the point is that, like, they it doesn't matter whether it's dumb, uh, or if it's profound, like, it's it's all worth creating,
0: yeah. Well, it's flexing that muscle, yeah. Like, you gotta work at it i I mean it's not like work but you've got to like keep it keep it juicy
1: yeah one (laughs) one that's That's our new sign off keep it juicy that's weird uh keep it moist um one another uh idea that he has for kind of how to stimulate things is like okay so don't look at the blank page ever don't sit there and stare at the blank page another suggestion that he has is record a conversation
0: I liked that one.
1: Wasn't that brilliant? Oh my god. Cuz you can come up with some shit while you're just talking with somebody and then later on Well, don't record my conversations. I have some news <laughs> for you about recording my conversations with you. <laughs> I've been doing it for a while. Oh dear. Uh roughly 14 times now. Oh dear. Uh- <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> We're listening to it right now. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> But you can grab snippets of conversations and, um, you know, take four lines from that, space them out, find stuff that rhymes or don't, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, kind of figure out an artful way to fill in the story. Don't worry too much about trying to make it look artful. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Jeff would say, try to get it done in an interesting way, a way that that seems interesting to you. Yeah. That part will probably get easier as you go along. Right. Once again, we're only talking about one song here. Just
0: one. That's the goal of the book, and I think he achieved that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I liked hearing his song develop throughout the book. Oh, my gosh. And it was good. I loved it. It was. Uh, Really, I think... Unless I'm mistaken, I think there were three songs that he was working on over the course of the book. Oh really. But one of them was like kind of the main one.
0: Yeah, at the end of the, the audiobook they play the song and yeah. it's really cute. It's really good. And he talks about like what the lyrics mean at certain points in the book and and I always think that's cool. I always like, you know, Letting, uh, listening to musicians talk about what certain lyrics mean to them and what, why they wrote it. And if it's like a real life thing or if it's based on like a feeling or an idea.
1: Or if they don't know. Or if they're
0: just like, it sounded cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, some lines of mine that I did not know what they meant when I recorded them. Uh, people have come up to me to say like, yeah, that line really slayed me.
2: <clears throat> like,
1: okay. You the know.
0: part... In the book where he talks about the mumble, it's not mumble rap, it, yeah. <laughs> it's mumble yes. songs yep. or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, people came up to me and said, like, <laughs> those are so beautiful, profound so, lyrics.
1: Okay, so what he means, so he's... <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, lay it out, please. He,
1: <laughs> he'll mumble a melody before he has words. And he was saying that someti- <laughs> sometimes those mumbles made it into the final product. yeah. On the record, and they sounded so close to some things that were actual words that they become a lyrical Rorschach test.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah, for, yeah.
1: For That's the a good listener, way of it. <laughs> that you kind of see whatever is relevant to you. He uh, said he
0: would like dictate, like, "Oh, what, what did, what did they say?" Oh, interesting! Like you like writing. Yeah.
1: like I'll I'll have to write that down. <laughs> hey guys, this is the lyric now. Be prepared to harmonize. This is the new lyric. This is what it actually means.
0: But yeah, I thought that was really funny because <laughs> I'd never known that. I don't know, like I didn't know because I was usually when I hear lyrics that I'm like, wow, that guy's just like mumbling. Yeah, I just think like I'm just
1: too stupid to like. <laughs> Uh, there's there's something called masking, which is where um, when uh, sounds can get louder than the lyrics and mm-hmm. also if there's more than one focal point, like if there's an interesting guitar part going yeah, on right, during right. that vocal, even somebody like me, whose dad constantly accused them of... Uh, being hard to understand Mm. on record. Like, I try real hard to enunciate on my albums and keep the vocals loud in the mix. Yeah. But it's still rock and roll. There's still, like, loud guitars and drums all over the place, and words will get lost here and there. I've always thought you
0: were really good at, like... Like I can very easily understand what you're saying and when you're
1: singing. Well, I try to be aware of focal points in the song. (laughs) You know, I'm doing everything that I can think of. Yeah. Because as much of an instrumentalist I am, it's allegedly it's lyrics that people are listening to. Yes. Uh, Sometimes. Yes, I feel like that's not entirely the case. (laughs) Sometimes. One thing that I thought was super helpful in the book. Was removing the power of the the whole idea of writer's block. Right. Totally loved that. Don't call it a block.
0: Yeah, because I never, like personally, I never thought, oh, I have writer's block. I don't know. Like I've always just been like, I just don't feel like I'm not feeling anything today.
1: Which is closer to the truth. Yeah. Um, the thing. I will Tomorrow. I think he talks... It, no, no. This was in the Rick Rubin book where oh. he was talking about writer's block and he was saying that um, the singer for one band that he produced said that he was having writer's block and he said, I want you to write one line. One line a day.
2: Yeah.
1: And day three, he was writing songs again. He only had two days of writing one line before everything... Yeah open back up and that's not it's a it's a connection it's the it's the connection right
0: and it's not like you have to use all those lines
1: no yeah it's just like it's there no it's the again it's the process and that was we're not trying to get something usable we're trying to get one line that's the only goal yeah so just the idea of writer's block jeff tweedy is like this is not a thing right you know you always can if you're not that means you don't want to yeah Essentially,
0: and, and I think, you know, conversely with the comedy writing, I thought that that was a cool approach as well. Because, you know, you're coming into class each week with the, our homework was always two minutes of material mm-hmm. to bring to class. And some of it's like, nope, that it definitely didn't work when I said it out loud or on stage or in front of people. Or like, that was really cool. Or that could be paired with this. Or... No, you know, but I might keep that for later, you know.
1: So this is, this is where I ask you about judgment. <laughs> so, like, obviously we all have our own inner critics right. about oh, most things we say and everything that we write. Mm-hmm. Unless we're a troll on the Internet. <laughs> unless you're a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. So were you writing material and kind of judging it while you're writing or did you find a way to just kind of like i'm just going to complete this joke
0: uh it was definitely different like writing f- like little jokes for the podcast and then writing with the mind of i'm going to say this out loud yeah so it was like i think we had t- kind of touched on it a few minutes ago but it was kind of like how um saying it out loud is not going to be the same as if I've written it.
1: So Yeah, it changes. So,
0: yeah, it's going to change or it's going to sound like more natural or or different. And that can also, when I'm going back, listening to my recordings, because we're also recording ourselves in class, editing my written page, then that also kind of brings openness to write, keep writing in that process as well.
1: So this is, it's still, it's editing, but like the... The judgmental part, by the way, judgment shuts down creativity.
2: Oh, for sure. it just does.
1: Um, you, can, you can judge yourself into writing nothing seven days a week. The point is like actually turning that off. The, it, so in order to edit something, which is what you're talking about, mm-hmm. you actually have to just get the thing first.
2: Yeah, you yeah. know and then yeah, you can, yeah, then yeah. you can
1: judge it a little bit.: Yeah, then you can kind of judge it into shape. Yeah. But like judgment does not create. Anything. Right. Right. You know, the critic is not the thing being critiqued.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I just tried like at least in this process, like I can't say like I'm going to just like go to open mics and just test out whatever I just like wrote on the back of a napkin. But in this class, I like was like that one drunk white guy, like every drunk white guy um, <laughs> or just go up and just like start rattling off on things that bother me. <laughs> um, but uh, it, I tried to be open. Like if I sat down and completed a joke I'll try to just say it and just see how it goes. And that might not be true for me forever, but, you know, that was what I tried to do in that class. And
1: that's that's kind of how the book wraps up mm-hmm. is Jeff saying, if you've got your song now, and he has, unlike us, he's mm-hmm. guided you through yeah. actually making this entire song. Yeah. And like, okay, so you've got the ideas and now what to do with them. Let's say you've got the song mm-hmm. in a performable state. He said... Now I want you to perform it for one person.
0: Your pet could also. Your be...
1: pet could also be the audience. And just I was the, like, oh no. completely <laughs> independent of of like actual reaction. just the fact that you're sh- sharing this experience yeah. where the song is here in between us, it feels different all of a sudden because it's being perceived by somebody other than the creator which might feel great. It might feel like the greatest high that you've ever experienced. Yeah. Or it might feel like somebody has replaced all of your blood with ice water.
0: (laughs) And I kind of wanted to like say this at some point in this recording is like, I really for a long time have always like written kind of creatively. If it's like kind of a short story of prose or if it's like kind of a really open-ended poem um and I was always petrified of letting anyone read it I still really don't and I was always like you know if I get if I was ever to submit work to like a journal or some kind of publication and then it gets published then I'll share that with someone And, you know, so so it's kind of like – and I can't even tell you how many times I'm, like, always rejected from these types of things. They're always like, eh, no. (laughs) And so I sit there and I just, like, I don't really – I don't know. Maybe it's just, like, it should stay personal for me, but – Um, that was always kind of like one of my barriers creatively in the past. Obviously, comedic writing is nowhere near the same. I mean, it kind of is, but it isn't. Mm -hmm. So I was obviously a little bit more comfortable presenting that to the world, especially when I'm trying to be in a student mode.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think Jeff just wants you to experience that feeling Mm -hmm. because I think his ultimate goal is not to have you write one song.
0: Oh, for sure. He Spoiler wants,
1: alert, he wants to create an right. army of songwriters. Which that, is
0: what I love about Lace, what I love about Jeff, is we don't. they don't want to be the top cool songwriter, top cool awesome comedian. They want everyone else to also be enjoying this they moment. They want to teach you how right. to
1: create. And the, Jeff very specifically says in the book, How do you teach to write a song that can love you back? Oh, I know. And if he creates an army of songwriters that have that kind of goal, that kind of awareness, fuck yeah. And I just think, goodness, and I'm going to be like a little woo-woo
0: for a minute, but I just think that if you have a society of people who feel comfortable enough to be creative like that and to be... um, open like that you're gonna have just like a lot better feeling people
1: I don't know the world might feel better right
0: I don't know you know like this is why I'm a musician
1: you know like (laughs) I believe that rock and roll can still change the world I believe that lots of art can change the world because it can shift your perspective on things and make you feel less alone right it can it can make somebody who feels really weird and isolated understand like you know uh maybe i feel held by this song yeah and without songwriters we don't get those moments
0: well and one thing that i you know thought when i was reading listening to the book was um just there is no other magic in the world than someone having a moment or having a feeling writing and recording a song and me not knowing Al Green or him or who he is or where he grew up or who he's dating or what, and that song making me cry and feel an emotion yeah. like that is magic. That is that's what that's what it is.
1: That's, like that, it's no- my favorite kind of magic, right?
0: You know, like
1: we're reaching into the void, we're reaching into the ether essentially, mm-hmm. and we're pulling something out, and that's that's as woo woo as I get about it. Sure, that. Like, that That when you do that, that's the definition of magic.
0: Sure. And, you know, maybe I can even think of it like all these people last night that laughed. If you didn't laugh, I hate you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Everybody (laughs)
1: laughed, I promise. uh,
0: Laughed at my very strange white trash life. who don't know me who don't know my life who probably has not experienced things that I have experienced and they're still like that's very funny
1: <laughs> I think people will will Here's the thing they 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 when rock and roll started the whole idiom was let's write about cars let's write about <laughs> girls you know cuz when we're talking about Chuck Berry yeah. You know, like he found this formula that he felt like we should stick to mm-hmm. if that's you know if we want to make it. Uh Beach Boys pick up on that and run with that for a while and then like something else starts to happen.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: something else kind of like starts to happen with everybody. They all start like actually expressing themselves mm-hmm. outside of the idiom and I kind of I don't know. Songs that actually touch me are actually about people's real experiences, and when um, when it's when it's something that you haven't experienced yourself, guess what? You're putting yourself in that position.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like oh crap. You know what if I found myself in the position that Adam was in in this song? <laughs> Because, like, you know, I'm, I'm a weirdo, but I think I'm like a relatable kind of redneck weirdo. Yeah, same. And yeah, same. Th- so eh, you know, like, it's a, it's maybe a, a <laughs> genre of person that you weren't aware existed, but like, <laughs> I have lived through and done some of the dumbest crap that you have ever heard of, <laughs> and I kind of feel like when I write songs about this crap that. Hopefully, I'm taking you on a journey that you otherwise would not have taken. <laughs> thank god um <laughs> but I don't feel like the song has to be as relatable as I used to think it was. Sure. Yeah. I kind of think that like your weirdest experiences that like make you who you are at this point, that's what I'm trying to write about like. Yeah stuff that other people I know have maybe not experienced or this is an uncommon type of situation. <laughs> I'll write about it in in a relatable way, I hope.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Jeff's greatest songs to me are uh, a little bit more Rorschach-y,
2: mm-hmm. like I was talking
1: about. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I, I, I'm speaking directly to Jeff now because I know mm-hmm. that there's a small chance that he's gonna hear this mm. um <laughs> he wrote a record intending it to be like a noah's Ark of aspects of himself because he felt like as as i have felt many times in the past like the migraines were gonna get him mm. Uh i mean there's a lot of times when i've had migraines that i've thought like i'm gonna die during this one or The stuff that I'm taking to get it to go away is going to kill me, which is actually Mm -hmm. what Jeff went to rehab for. Mm -hmm. So he is pondering his own mortality, thinking about the fact that he has small children Mm -hmm. and that they're not, they're never going to know him as adult to adult. And so he's trying to pour himself into like a sort of Noah's Ark of a record to Mm -hmm. preserve aspects of himself. And one of the songs on there is Hummingbird. I can't even (laughs) think about that song without tearing up. I know. Because (laughs) there's, it's very hard to define Mm -hmm. why, but I'm in there. I hear myself in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jeff did not intend for, you know, he's not like, I'm going to write this song from Adam's perspective.
0: I hope Adam hears it. Right. (laughs) I hope but, we can kiss later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you behind the bleachers, Jeff. <laughs> but for whatever reason, um some of my favorite songwriters get you to see yourself in their songs yeah. where
0: right,
1: just because they're there. I feel like that song succeeds ultimately on on all levels of just being like it's got a beautiful melody it's over almost before you can appreciate it happening. Um, And it's just, it's majestic. It's just fucking majestic. Like the last chorus, super quiet kicking in, everything else is dropped out Um, where he's saying, remember to remember me. Um, That's going to slay me every time. (laughs) That's about my dad. That's about me and my kids. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That's about the migraines. It's about everything. It's the world that we're trying to help by pouring ourselves into songs. Uh, I hope that one day I write a song that I consider to be as good as Hummingbird. Oh, I like a lot of your songs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I think on that note miss amber we're gonna wrap it up i'm pretty sure that we've got some uh administrative stuff here to talk about at the end um are you
0: gonna perform the song you wrote
1: look at that dog i'll i'll put a snippet (laughs) of look at that dog on as a as a bonus track um and i i had considered writing a song specifically for this reading of the book but i've I've written like three or four songs <laughs> since I started rereading the book. So y'all just check out my stuff. Um, I, I put out three solo records, like I said, in 2020. The first one, uh, Devil's Got My Soul, is a blues record. Mm-hmm. And it covers all kinds of blues. The second one is um, Breathe, You're Doing It Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is my psychedelic funk record, and then Black Planet is the third one, which is the intentionally the best produced mm-hmm. uh, and Prince and Miles Davis influenced one, um, and all of my stuff with the Pinks, P I N X. All of those are are good examples <laughs> of my songwriting <laughs> that you can find on Spotify or Bandcamp yeah. or anywhere. Um, but we have uh, – so we've got a new deal with Bookish uh, regarding oh. their audiobooks. Um, so the audiobooks,
0: audiobooks um, are – we're listening to them on Libro.fm. It's a app you can download, um, and it's kind of like the bookshop.org that we use to have our book list on. If you buy the audiobook from Libro FM and select Bookish or your local bookstore, if they participate, oh, yeah, um, it the proceeds are benefiting them. Like if you're buying the physical copy, that other website, bookshop.org, same deal. So that is what we're doing for our audiobooks this season. I really like it, and yeah, so I mean, it's just The price is the same
1: as Audible, as far as I can tell. So why not help your local bookstore? Heck yeah. Um, So, yeah, I love that. I think that's great. And uh, regardless of audiobooks, I like going in and spending time in bookish and and getting book recommendations. Oh, my gosh. Right. And just collecting these poor books to sit on my shelf while I listen to the audiobooks (laughs) instead. But
0: the books, a, a cool weird can, the books are cool because you can, the books are cool because you can like write all in them and, and put some little tabs all through them. But no, yeah. Um, the audiobooks are great because you could, I love podcasts. So it's kind of like that's kind of the same vibe. Yeah. Uh, it's a really long podcast. <laughs> I
1: think. Um,
0: <laughs> this one of- is short. This book, by the way, we didn't say that at any point. It's pretty short. So you uh, yeah. Get I think
1: it. that our podcast on the book is. Um, <laughs> About a third of the length of the book. Right. Um, and speaking of podcasts, by the time this airs, I'm pretty sure that my podcast, Power and Volume, Yay. will uh start to to have episodes that you can stream.
0: You should definitely bring up this book on a future episode. I would
1: love to have Jeff on as a guest actually to talk about it. Um, So what I'm doing in Power and Volume, which on Instagram is Power A-N-D Volume, all one word, no spaces, hyphens, or any of that stuff. (laughs) Um, Basically what I'm doing is I'm trying to create a Noah's Ark of (laughs) information. (laughs) Two by two. Two by two only. Um, and that's only
0: this very heteronormative
1: and half of the information is going to eat the other half <laughs> and we're not even going to address any of that. Um, but j- you know, just like for when the great flood comes, uh, right. you know, right. um, I want people to still understand like what it is that we're trying to do when we go up on stage mm-hmm. and perform or what it is that we're trying to do. When we're expressing ourselves on an instrument. And I, I, this is probably baseless, but sometimes I'm concerned that like we're losing the soul of what it is that we're trying to do. It's not in all areas, Mm -hmm. but for example, when I see rock bands go up on stage nowadays, it's more parody than anything (laughs) else. And they have no idea that they're being a parody. And uh, I want, I want to stop that essentially by like providing, (laughs) providing insight into some of my favorite local performers and favorite national performers. (laughs) What is it that you're working on when you're on stage? Like everybody's at some place in their development, Mm -hmm. like early on as a singer, you're just trying to sing in key. That's not going to be the same thing that you're working on when you're 40. Right. When you're 40, you might be trying to connect with the audience. What on earth does that even mean? Right? So I'm trying to like get down some of the important insights that I can from super knowledgeable people or even people like myself who are still very much exploring the space. How can we kind of get a bunch of useful information that's going to empower people Mm -hmm. into being able to pick up an instrument, pick up a microphone, and actually get up there on stage? Um, It's it's one of my biggest goals to get people to stop thinking, I can't do that because I'm not as talented as they are. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think that that's dumb. That's a dumb reason not to do something. Yeah. Especially if you wind up going on stage... And finding out that it's your favorite thing in yeah. the entire world, regardless of how good you are or are not. Yeah. Why would why would you want to let a dumb idea like talent stand in the way? One way I'm doing that is illustrating none of the guests particularly feel like they're talented. <laughs> and yet they are gods among men.
0: <laughs> I always think you're very talented.
1: Well, thank you very much, and I always think that you work very hard. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) There's our two languages at work. Um, Can you give us the rest of the socials, ma'am?
0: Well, so Jeff Tweedy's just at Jeff Tweedy. Uh, Wilco's just at Wilco. Uh, We are um, at checking.in.podcast. So, yeah. (laughs) Do we have
1: any idea what we're reading next week? Oh,
0: crap. I
1: forgot. Are we going to have to have an online poll? No. We no. probably already had one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. I I'm really just like having like a uh just a blank right now. I know what it is.
1: That's okay. We'll surprise them next week. And, well, actually, <laughs> actually if you just follow our Instagram, you're not going to be surprised at all. You're not going to be surprised. All right, folks. Tune in next week to not be surprised. We love you very much. <laughs> Thank you.